0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 11th, 2024. Do the Right Thing, given by Pastor Barb Auer. Good morning. I'm Pastor Barbara. Uh, I actually come to this church a lot of the time. I'm retired, uh, so I'm not actually serving a particular church. Uh, Carrie, over as she was preparing to go over to India, asked me if I would fill in for this particular Sunday. So here I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, I said earlier uh, about this church at, at the previous service that uh, I am I am privileged. I feel privileged to have been asked, but I also feel that it's a privilege to be a part of this church because, in my opinion, this church does it right. Uh, With the missions, the small groups, uh, the emphasis on what Christ wants rather than what we want makes me just, that. in my opinion... It's does the right thing. And that's the title of my sermon, actually, today, is Do the Right Thing. Now, really, that shouldn't be hard for us Christian folks, right? Right. Good. (laughs) Yeah, it shouldn't be. (laughs) Doesn't mean that it is. Anyway, how many of you think you always do the right thing? I don't see any hands up, gee. But really, um, I guess it starts with figuring out what is right. I mean, what makes something the right thing? Uh, is Who determines that? Our culture, government, our laws, our friends, our, our family, our community, or our church? I mean, certainly laws are established to as a deterrent to doing wrong and certainly crimes are not right or good. I mean, have any of you ever robbed a bank? No, good, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) But I don't know about you, but sometimes I have difficulty doing the right thing. I'm not talking about the big right things that we all know are right, and we we automatically do them because it's expected, okay? No, I'm talking about the little everyday things that are sometimes a challenge. Like for me, uh, one is getting up grumpy. (laughs) Did I hear an amen on that? Did Getting up grumpy and complaining about it when I haven't slept well. I am not an early morning person. I had to be up, how long? (laughs) An hour and a half or more before I normally do to to be here at the nine o'clock service. Um, Do any of you feel that way in the morning? (laughs) But really, should I subject my husband or other people around me to my bad mood? I mean, it wasn't their fault generally, that I didn't sleep well. (laughs) I just realized that Chuck's been getting home around midnight every night for the past week because he's working on a show up in Wilmington. (laughs) So so I'm not sleeping well because of him. (laughs) But that's beside the point. And sometimes I'm depressed and down and, you know, when you're that way, you just really don't care much about anything or anybody. Have any of you been there? Yeah. Should we bring others down with us? No. Or when God is telling me to go to over and talk to someone I don't know, and I really don't want to, because I am an introvert after all, so I have to get past that in order to go to new people. Today, I'm talking about the little everyday choices we make about how we will interact with those around us, the way we treat others. Daily life is filled with these little decisions of what to do or what to say. And sometimes we choose what is right, which is the best choice. Sometimes our choices are not necessarily wrong, but kind of indifferent, when we think it's really not going to matter. And sometimes we choose wrong. Maybe intentionally, maybe not. I think we all have our selfish, self-centered moments. We focus on our feelings and we become complacent about our lives. Just going along with the behavior patterns we have learned without thinking if they are really good or right. We can begin to take those around us for granted especially those we love, because we know that they will put up with our ungracious actions and words. But it's good to be woken up sometimes to what we're doing and how we may be acting. God's been working on me lately. (laughs) And that's what's been happening to me, being brought up short to suddenly realize that something I've done wasn't particularly Christ-like. And that's what prompted this message. I know I periodically need a reminder to look at how I typically act and then change it if it's not loving, right, or good. And maybe you need that reminder too. So first off, how do we know what is the right thing? Well, the Bible tells us what God considers the right thing. He calls us to be righteous or right living, living according to his instructions. So if we want to do what is right according to God's will, we have to go where? The Bible. For instance, the Ten Commandments. I, I know you've all heard them. How many of you can recite all Ten Commandments just like that? <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> I can't either. It takes me a minute to think through them all. So God says, the first one is I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below beneath or the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy by keeping it holy honor your father and your mother you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor and you shall not covet okay Now, if you look at those commandments, you'll notice that the first four are all about how we are to stay in close relationship with God. And then the rest of them, the other six, are rules for having peaceful, loving relationships with the people around us. And when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he referred to those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus went on in another chapter of Luke to say this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. In other words... Do the right thing. You see, doing what is right is all about love and relationships. The Bible is God's love letter to us and our guide for how to love others. When we say do to others as you would have them do to you, it's about considering others first, placing them first. That's the key. But sometimes we don't stop to think about how something that we do or something that we say will affect someone else. I mean, do you carefully think about every tiny little thing you do and say and about, well, what will they think of that? Might that hurt their feelings? I don't know about you, I try to but I'm not always successful. John Wesley, who started the, first started the Methodist, the Methodist Societies, which were the forerunner of the Methodist Church, summed up God's will for our lives very simply. Three little things, <laughs> not so little. Three short phrases, not so easy. Do no harm, do good, Stay in love with God. That's all it takes. Yeah. It's easy to understand, simple words, but very hard to do. Why? Because our feelings, thoughts, and habits often get in the way. Where God's focus is always on love, our focus is typically on what? ourselves. Uh, Here are some examples of people in the Bible who had difficulty doing the right thing. They did it but they had difficulty doing it. There's Moses. Remember all the excuses he gave God when God asked him to go to Egypt back to Egypt to bring his people out? He finally did it when God took all of his excuses away. King David The man after God's own heart fell into temptation and committed adultery. Gideon, Gideon in the fleece, you know, he asked God to assure him three times that he would have victory before he said, okay, (laughs) I'll go. And there are many others. We all make wrong choices and mistakes. We all do or say hurtful, self-centered things at times. We are not perfect. Only one person ever was perfect. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. A few weeks ago, uh, Carrie and Alan preached on Jonah And uh, I'm going to be using him as my main example today too, but hopefully I'm going in a slightly different direction than they did. So, the beginning of the book of Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord And headed for Tarshish he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port after paying the fare he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord now to give you a little bit of background the Ninevites were enemies of the Israelites the prophet Nahum states that Nineveh's sins included plotting evil against the Lord cruelty, plundering in war, prostitution, witchcraft, and slavery. I mean, no wonder Jonah didn't want to go there. I wouldn't want to go there either. Now you might remember the story, the rest of the story, uh, where how there's a storm at sea. They cast lots to see whose wrongdoing caused the storm. Jonah confesses that it's him and they throw him overboard. <laughs> After 3 days in the fish's belly, he's pretty uncomfortable, he's pretty scared, and he prays to God and says, "What I have vowed, I will make good." In other words, obeying the law, the Lord. I will say, "Salvation comes from the Lord." And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Now, Jonah's focus was all on who? (laughs) Himself. Although to save the sailors and their vessel, he did sacrifice himself. But based on his later comments, he probably would rather have drowned (laughs) than to help the Ninevites. Although he certainly was scared when he was in the belly of the fish. So then the word of the Lord came to Noah, I mean, to Jonah. I've been doing that the whole time I was writing this. It's the same letters. (laughs) The Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed, went to Nineveh, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But the Ninevites believed him. They believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now we see why Jonah didn't want to go there in the first place. The Israelites had become complacent in their favored status as God's chosen people, including Jonah. As my study Bible says, they traditionally rejoiced in God's special mercies to Israel, but wished only his wrath on their enemies. And in God's gracious benevolence to the Ninevites, God makes it clear that he cares for all people and wants all to be saved, not just his chosen. Jonah is bitter, resentful, and angry because of God's mercy and compassion on the Ninevites. So the Lord speaks to him again and says, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah has gone outside the city to sulk. It's the only word for it, he's sulking. And to see what was going to happen, he made a shelter, God made a leafy plant sprout from the ground, grow up to give him some shade, it changed his mood, made him feel a little bit better. The next day God had a worm, gnaw the plant, and then it was very sunny out and then he sent a hot wind. So Jonah became um, faint-hearted, light-headed and faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But then God said again to him, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead then God rebukes Jonah for not having compassion on the plant, let alone all the people in the city of Nineveh. Often we, like Jonah, want everything to be our way, the way that we want. Jonah did the right thing, not very graciously, but he did do the right thing, But the entire time he was focusing on himself and his feelings. He wasn't thinking about the people of Nineveh, all those families, those children. And he didn't want grace to be extended to them, even though God had extended grace to him. Have you ever judged people as Jonah did, the Ninevites? Have you ever wished that maybe they didn't get the blessings from God? Are there people you find it difficult to be nice to? Have you ever done the right thing very ungraciously because you really didn't want to do it? I'm not seeing hand any hands go up <laughs> not only that but you made it obvious to everyone around you <laughs> how you felt about it I'm ashamed to say that I have done that I have focused on myself rather on the reasons behind what I've been asked to do if we want to know what God wants us to do, how God wants us to act, then we have to offer to God our thoughts, our feelings, all the attitudes that prevent us from loving as God loves. Because only God can transform those negatives into positives the resentments into understanding. So we can choose the better, the right thing. We can choose to love. As Christians, we are called to a better way, a higher standard. Standard. Let's take a look at one of Paul's letters, to the one to the Romans. And isn't that what doing the right thing is all about? God's will. It's pretty obvious here that the pattern of the world is not in line with God's pleasing, perfect will. So whose will are we going to seek? Whose will are we going to follow? God's or the world's? Paul continues with a description of what actually is in accordance with God's pleasing and perfect will. And it's entitled, interesting enough, Love in Action. Love in action, what we do. He says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then this one especially be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's what I'm talking about here. Doing the right thing. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone and do not take revenge because you have to leave room for that for God. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I want to bring your attention to these, some of these words that I emphasize as I was reading that. The actions listed there. Sincere love or sincerity. Goodness. Devotion. Joy. Hope. Patience. Faithfulness in prayer. Sharing, hospitality, blessing, supporting those who rejoice or mourn, harmony, humility, and peace. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. See, those are the, those are the ways that we need to treat all the people around us. Not just those we like. And you notice how many of them are similar to the fruits of the Holy Spirit? The fruits of the Holy Spirit are those attitudes and and virtues that grow inside of us as we grow closer to Christ. And so we need to ask the Holy Spirit for discernment and strength in order to do the right thing. Once again, it's all about being in loving relationship with God and others. In a neighbor's words to her little boy years ago, make nice. Have you ever heard that? I never understood it, it's bad grammar. <laughs> Be nice, because it isn't about you or me. If someone is hurt who has hurt us needs help, we need to do the right thing and help them anyway. If someone's been a jerk, Do the right thing. Be kind to them, and maybe it'll show them a better way. If pride has kept us from going to someone and apologizing, do the right thing and go apologize. If someone mistreats us, we need to do the right thing. Forgive them and love them anyway, because God loves and forgives us. If we're anxious or worried or angry, we shouldn't take it out on others. Do the right thing. I, I bend my head the wrong way and I lose the last word. Anyway, I'm sure that you can think of a lot more situations that you've been in where it's been hard to do the right thing. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, Amen. And then sometimes doing the right thing actually is doing nothing. Sometimes it isn't the right place or the right time. We have to pray and think things through and even when we're anxious to make things right. We have to ask God, is this the time and the place and what you want me to do? And sometimes God says, wait, I'll let you know when and what you should do. And that's because God is already working in the situation. And God's preparing the way for you to do whatever is the right thing to do. But you have to wait until it's time. And he's ready for you to put yourself into it. I'm still waiting on God to tell me when to step in and say something, and actually what to say, about a hurtful situation, family situation, that is continuing. But every time I'm ready to, he says, no. Let me handle it. All of this is a whole lot easier said than done. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. And that's where prayer comes in. We pray to Jesus to help us know what we are supposed to do. We ask him to send the Holy Spirit to strengthen our resolve to do the right thing. We pray for him to empower us to do what is right. We can also ask him to send us spiritual friends who can give us advice and hold us accountable. This is the lesson that God wanted Jonah to learn, that people matter. Everyone around us matters. Even the people we don't like or who have hurt us or disappoint us or betrayed us or deceived us. We need to do the right thing and care for them as Christ does, regardless of how we feel about them. It's all about grace. Grace to be given and grace to be received. Because in all of these different cases, the other person (laughs) that you need to be right to They have the same calling to do the right thing and to love. God extended grace to the people of Nineveh. He extended grace to Jonah in his anger. And when we very ungraciously subject people to our own bad moods or frustration or resentment, judgment or anger, Thank goodness God offers us grace as well when we repent and ask for forgiveness. Jesus understands all our faults and foibles, all our hang-ups, all of our knockdowns. So when we don't choose the right thing, we, like Jonah and the people of Nineveh, can repent and receive grace to try to do better the next time. We're told in Hebrews 4, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to be people of grace, people who lift others up, not bring them down. Because that's what Jesus did. He lifted people up even when they made wrong choices. As pastors Carrie and Alan often say, it's not about us. It's not about me or you, but about loving others as Jesus taught us and as Christ loves us. We're about to move into the season of Lent, begins on Wednesday with the Ash Wednesday service. It's a time of repentance, fasting, and preparation for Easter a time of self-examination and reflection. So what better time than now to take a close look at ourselves and make a commitment to try to do our very best to do whatever is the right thing. That's your challenge for this week. To pay attention to the little everyday actions you have with others and choose to be grace-filled enough to do the right thing let us pray we know who we are lord we know our faults we know we aren't perfect but we also know that we are your children sometimes we forget what that means And how our actions and words can reflect on you. Forgive us and empower us to do better. To choose to do the right thing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.